Like when you're starting out, avoid the shiny things. Do you need a PT clinic and like a retail shopping center? Probably not. Like how many people got to your PT clinic because they drove by it? Probably zero. Most of them were referred by their physician or they Googled you and they found your location and they drove there. Where's your career going? Maybe you just graduated. Maybe you graduated years ago and you're, I don't know, feeling stuck, right? Well, you've got a license, just like a driver's license. That PT license will let you go wherever you want to go. And you can do that especially in patient care. How about an extraordinary patient care adventure with Jackson Therapy Partners? Perfect for physical therapists eager to make their mark all over the country. See where your skills can take you at jacksontherapy.com. Uh, frustrated at all? We hear this a lot from clinicians uh, with your EMR. It's just these boys, the little things that drive you nuts, right? Well, what if it was uh, all, all integrated, your EMR? Patient portals, marketing automations, and billing. This lets you get a lot of things done. It makes it easy. I hope switching over is easy. Well, take a test drive. Of course, I'm talking about our friends at mwtherapy.com. They have a fantastic all-in-one outpatient, outpatient PT EMR. Take that test drive. See what they've got because your time and frustration are completely worth it. Find them online at mwtherapy.com. And finally, if you have a clinic and you've even heard a little bit about remote therapeutic monitoring, you know it can enhance patient outcomes ease provider workload and turbocharge your earnings. How much? Well, $290 per patient per quarter is how much. Kickstart with RTM. They've got it figured out and make it nice and easy at physiotech.ca. That's physiotech.ca. Our episode today, our guest shares six things every PT should know about thriving with insurance-based practice. We see it getting bagged on all the time. Oh, it's the enemy. Well, it's here. And our guest today, Alex, is, well, sort of optimistic about insurance-based practice. So we dig into why and why he thinks you should be, too, on PT Pinecast. Alex, welcome to the program, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Uh, I'll give uh, I'll give the audience some context. Alex is the mastermind behind Resolute Physical Therapy in Denver. So I'm bragging for him that he play, he chose a pretty cool place to live. I'm a little jealous. Uh, like me, he's a craft beer enthusiast. But not just that. Uh, a decade of expertise in private practice and a unique perspective on making healthcare, here's the big A word, accessible. We like that because if you can't access it, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're going to challenge your views today on a, on a six-pack episode format. So one idea or prompt and then six actionable steps, right? And the idea here is we'll challenge your views on physical therapy and insurance. We'll actually say here's six, th six things uh, every PT should know about thriving in insurance-based practice, which I feel like, Alex, I feel like everybody sort of dumps on it, right? Oh, insurance is the big angry thing, but like it's not going anywhere. So you better like learn how to live with it and work within the system while someone else rages against the machine. I'm not saying raging against insurance is bad, but it's here. We need to learn how to navigate, right? Right. Correct. Yeah. I mean, insurance is, is going to be a part of healthcare for the foreseeable future. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things we'd love to change about that, but sure. right now, this is the this is this current scene that we're in and how do you adapt and work within that scene um, and still do a good job, still give excellent patient care. Listen, this is a system that's set up before I was born, before you were born. And it is the patients didn't choose it. We didn't choose it. It is 
I'm not saying, again, this thing shouldn't continue or not be changed, but how are we digging into this to figure out what we can do to make it, and again, I'll hit that A word, accessible. So let's start with the, the first idea in this six pack, Alex, which is start by just talking about the value. Let's talk about the value of therapists. And, and I want to stress, I say this a lot with companies or individuals. There is a difference between value and cost, right? There is a difference between value and cost. You just, you, the therapist or the business owner, you determine price, the other person, the person you're hoping to work with, they determine the value in their head, in their heart, in their mind. So how do you define what PTs are truly worth with that V word, that value word in the healthcare profession? How do you, how do you do that? Right. Um, first of all, I'd love to say I've got two staff physical therapists that work for me. I would love it if I could pay both of them $100,000 a year, right? They are 100% worth it in my mind, the value that they provide. I think their patients see that too. Um, they do an excellent job with patients because that is their only priority is patient care, right? right? That is what I have tasked them with from their job is who is your end user and that's your patient. I want you to do one thing and that's do a good job with that patient. So they have bought fully into that. I don't need them to worry about the productivity standard of that, of what it means to turn a profit in physical therapy land. That is my job as the business owner. Now, um, to the value side of that, um, the insurance company will determine, or the payer, I guess, at the end of the day. Right. Let's just call it that. For 85% of our patient mix, it's insurance. The insurance will determine, hey, this is how valuable we think that you are. Right. And now that is where you start to get this evil empire view of insurance, right? right they don't think that my therapists are worth $100,000. Or they may say stuff in public that says, yeah, physical therapy is super valuable. We love everything that you guys do for our members. You keep them out of having expensive surgery. You get them off of pain meds. Right. You improve their function. You do a great job. Here's $55 for that visit. And we're only going to authorize five of them. Right. So you got five visits at 55 bucks. Good luck you're super valuable and you're really good. We know you can do it. Give yourself yeah. a pat on the back. Yeah. Right. So that's where you run into this thing. And I think that we need to shift where we put our value of, are you trying to show value to the insurance company? Or are you trying to show value to your patient? And like, where do you, where do you thrive there? It's for my physical therapist. Hey, I want your patients to know that you're valuable. And I want you to know that I think that you're valuable. Yeah. And I will do my best to pay you the way that I think that you should be paid. But I also let them see behind the curtain of, hey, this is what your insurance companies think that you're worth. So I, I hope you guys understand that this is why I can't give you $100,000 a year. Right. Yeah. The, the, somebody else smarter than me when I first started as a clinician uh, set up this uh, triangle on a dry erase board. And they essentially explained it so well to me so that I could go out and explain it to other people. And I don't, I think it was that evil empire thing and I didn't know how to explain it. And then this person said, listen, here's how I explain it to patients is you, you entered into an agreement, the patient and the payer, where you said you're going to give X number of dollars per month for health insurance. And keep in mind, health insurance is different than health care, right? Those, those are two different words and they're two different things. So you entered an agreement 
and there was piles and piles of paper that you got in the mail or a digital copy where it said how they'll figure out what they'll pay. You entered an agreement. I, w- I, as the physical therapist, was not there. That's not my agreement. Unless you, as the physical therapist, now enter and you're in network with that organization. And that's where I think we get it. I think that's, that's, the, that's the comforting thing. And the problem is you agreed to this. And the only way it changes is if the payer decides... Let's play these. Let's pay these people more. Which their their job to keep that bottom line uh, as strong as possible is to pay us as little as possible, right? And our job is to show more value. But when you sign the dotted line, you agree to that, and that's the thing that people have to within healthcare and you know consumers of healthcare need to wrap their head around, which is this subjective view. Unless the decision to pay money is yours and you value me, and then we get to determine what that value is. So I think you're right, which is it's this triangle between three people or three, uh, two people, patient, provider, and organization, which is a payer, and uh, that is an organization. It's not a person having a, a, a subjective conversation. It's having very objective things because we sign on the dotted line. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'll give you a prime example. The Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield building, their offices for the Colorado region are right downtown, and they take up an entire city block. So between... Yeah. 7th and 8th Avenue between Broadway and Lincoln. It is a huge, like eight story building downtown prime real estate. They don't pay the rent on that building every month by losing money. No, they don't. Correct. Right. Right. Their job is to take in X and then pay out less than X and less than X enough that they can pay their people and their stockholders or shareholders and their rent and all those different things. So that is the way it works. All right. right. So, so let's move to the second idea. So do you think insurance companies or this, you know, I'm asking you to like forecast, which is great if you're a meteorologist because you can be wrong like 60% of the time and still have a job and be fine. Um, where do you think this is going? You know, you've been, you've been in, in, you know, a clinician for 10 years. Do you think this is trending in a positive, negative direction? And then what do we need to do to maybe change this in our favor? And by our, I mean the patient and the provider. I want to start that and I want to shift it one spot first. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the profession is heading in a ultimately positive direction with this new wave of clinicians that are more apt to push back against insurance companies versus maybe the generation of clinicians before me that were happy to just have a contract and they were happy to treat 20 visits a day and use texts and use a lot of modalities and passive treatment to just get through the day. This new wave of clinicians is more apt to show their value to insurance companies. So if I wanted to forecast in the most positive light, I would put it in that context that this new wave of clinicians is going to fight harder than every generation before me ever fought. And that's the only way it will change. In my opinion, you can't have one crazy person standing on the corner shouting and the rest of the people going, I agree with you, but I'm just going to go along. Because until there is a danger of that organization not being able to provide something that's in writing, it won't change. I don't know what the percentage of that is, but I am encouraged by how the next generation or several generations of not just PTs, but people, these, gen- these generations we get, you know, we like to mock, right? Like, cause we're always the older generation saying, well, oh, these kids today, I am excited about how right. they just, they sort of, they look at everything with a really discerning eye and go, yeah, I don't like that. I'm just not going to do it. And some people yeah. look at that and they go, well, these kids don't know how to just buckle up and get along. I go, good. We've been teaching them that question everything except for me question everything except for the thing that we know question everything means everything 
Yeah, right. And I think you're starting to see some of that of even from the like academia side of this, of uh, the professors that have been in academia for so long, they're now sort of phasing out of the academia part and you're getting younger clinicians who have seen this and they have seen how stagnant the reimbursement yep. rates have been for two decades, right? right. And they're just saying, hey, the cost of living is going up everywhere. The cost of goods is going up everywhere. And our PTs can't afford to live without a roommate, right? Like they are doctorally educated clinicians who are experts at their craft and they have to have a roommate to live in a major metropolitan area, whether that's Denver or Dallas or anywhere, anywhere. They've got to get a roommate as a new grad. And it's, that's terrible. That is a sad state for the profession, right? right? Yeah, it is. You're not wrong. So let me ask you this. Let's go to the other side, right? Why should a PT choose to work with insurance companies, right? There's got to be some benefit. We're not forced. This, there's, no, there's no gun to our head to do this. You know, why should a PT choose to work with insurance companies, even in this environment where that we, be, we feel like we're under, undervalued? Why would we choose to do that? Right. The, the simple answer to that is you should strive to get your value from helping people, right? Like that's why every single physical therapist that I know got into the field. It wasn't to be rich. We all, none of us knew that never thought that we were going to be rich, right? The The deal was you want to help people. You want to put your skills to the test and you want to help as many people as you can to move better, to feel better, to live life better, right? So the way that you do that is because 85% of your patient population is going to use insurance and they've already paid for it. They've paid for their health insurance. So they want to use that insurance to get health care. There are a handful of people out there who will pay no matter what. And they'll just say, hey, it's it's super valuable to me to get the best level of care. So I'll go pay out of pocket for it. Great, that person still has health insurance that they're paying for. Um, so could you do both? Could you give them the best patient experience? Could you get them the best level of care and take the insurance that they've already paid for? Sure, that's the sweet spot that we should strive to find is how can you help the, the most number of people, not just the people who can afford you. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, like we said earlier, health insurance isn't going anywhere. Like you're right. going to have to have it. Right. When I was 26, I used to make the argument of, well, I'm a healthy 26 year old. Right. What do I need health insurance for? Right. It's one of those things you, you want to need it and not have it, or right. you don't need it and not have it. You'd right. rather have it and not need it. You don't want to think halfway when you're, when you fall off your bike, when you're halfway to the ground, I should have put the helmet on, right? That's the la it's yeah. the worst time to be thinking about that. So I understand the need for it. I think what we're all talking about, especially from the provider side is we're an integral part of this system. We've been told, right? We've been said by everybody, everybody values us. Yeah. It is that subjective to objective, which is like, you say we're super valuable. What does super valuable mean to you? Because I have an opinion on super value and you have an opinion on super value. And we need to see that to come to an agreement or there's going to be this imbalance of we don't like the way this is going. And then I don't know, hopefully there's something that's, that's changed, but that that's the thing is right now I feel like we're in a situation where there's, there's no checks and balances is we, the only vote we have is to, is to be in the system or out of the system. That's it. It's like binary. Right. I, I'll give you one that's not quite binary that might okay. fit into that. Okay. So say you stay in network with an insurance payer that is your low payer right? They right. give you a low contract, but they're a major player in the insurance landscape, right? So you just, you go back to them and you start your negotiations of like, Hey, you know, that number that you're paying us per visit's really low. It's really hard for, for us to operate on that. And 
um, it makes us, it makes it tough to see patients at that number. Sure. And they say, well, you know, tough deal with it. That's what we pay. That's what your agreement is. Okay. I understand where you're coming from. You have no position to negotiate a, a higher rate for me. We provided you with our outcome measures. We provide you with long-term data saying that we're getting patients better, faster. We're in the top for us. We're in the top 8% of all outcome measures across like all web PT users. So that's great. We're doing pretty good, right? You would think that that would give us a really good leg to stand on to negotiate. Well, the next thing that we do is we say, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to accept your members. Uh, we're not going to give them priority on our schedule. Right. So for whatever insurance payer that is, we just say, okay, we're only going to schedule one. If we have an opening like last minute, we'll put them on a wait list and just say like, Hey, we don't have any openings right now, but we'll call you if we have something to open up. Otherwise mm -hmm. we can get you scheduled three weeks out. Right. Excellent. So then you go back to that payer and you say, Hey, over the last three months, we, we decreased your pay, your members volume by 90%. So your members weren't being seen at our clinic. So they're on a wait list. They're not happy. They're having to go somewhere else that gives them less quality of care. Would you like to renegotiate that now? And do we'll get your members back in. Do they care though? Because they're saying, great, you saw we paid 90% less. So awesome. You know, I think when they start seeing their members drop their coverage, because we say, you know, I think it, me at Resolute Physical Therapy, I'm not going to be the difference maker there. Right. Right. Like, we aren't high enough volume. It's got to be an economy to scale. Create, right. Like everybody's got to jump in on that and just say like, hey, we're not going to do that. We'll keep your contract. We're not going to go out with you. We'll keep the contract. But we just, we can't do that for that number. Yeah. And here's what it is. Like my cost per cost per visit is X. You're paying me X minus 20. I'm losing money by. Every time I treat one of your members, I lose money. So you're telling me that I need to double book them. But that doesn't give you good quality of care. That's right. not what I want my clinicians worried about. I don't right. want them worried about juggling patients in the gym. I want them focused on the one patient in front of them. That's it. Let me ask you this. As someone who does two, two different things, right? Because you're treating patients and you're also someone who runs an organization that treats a volume of patients. You have clinicians under you. What do you personally find more gratifying? Is it direct patient care? You have to answer. You can't say you, can't say you love both of your kids the most. Right? Got it. Okay. One-on-one -on -one care or now that you get to do this thing, which is run a business, where do you find, where do you get more, more gratification? At this point, I probably get more gratification running the business, but I'm going to give you the caveat of that. And that is helping to mentor my clinicians. That's great. That's it. Like I, this is, this is my ethos that I live by running this and it is please the end user. For me, my end user is my staff. Right. Yeah. Some of that is my patients when I put on just my PT hat and right. I go out and treat. But my biggest hat is being the CEO and owner and my end user is my staff. So how do I keep my staff happy and engaged? And that's by simplifying it for them. That's it. Yeah. From my front desk, it's make this make this the best hour of everyone that you deal with. Make it the best hour of their day, of their week. Right. And the rest of it will figure itself out. Yeah. We'll be busier than you can shake a stick at. I think that's a. I think that's the way to do it. I think. I think the first couple times people heard that mindset, they were like, "No, no, no." As an owner, patients first. But if you operate the way you just mentioned, that gets taken care of. Like step one is find great people, right? Sec number two is keep those people well taken care of. They will do the thing that you hired them to actually do. Right. 
So I think that's what like Look at the best run companies in the world, and that is it. I mean, it's they pour yeah. into their staff so that their staff has one thing to focus on, and that's do the thing. User. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Let, do your job. That's it. Let me ask you this. Rest. We're talking about the next generation. You mentioned the next generation of these these PTs who might be listening right now. They're either in school or they're, they're they're fresh out of school. Or maybe a lot of we get a lot of DMs from from students who are like still an undergrad, which is kind of cool. Like they're they're like, this is what I want to do. So I get excited about that. They're like they're focused on PT so far away from it. So I want to talk ask a question for them. For those aspiring to eventually start their own practice, is it feasible for them now or in the near future to go solo? and still work well with insurance companies starting out. So you've been doing this for a while. If someone were to start out, is it feasible for them to, to, to begin like that? I think you can, but you're fighting a big uphill battle at that point. Um, for me, I'm partnered with an organization. I was in practice for seven years before I partnered in with a company called Health and Rehab Solutions, which is PT owned and PT run. So they've got PTs in all of the upper level spots. Right. So they helped me to look at what are we doing well? Where are we losing patient visits? What are our outcomes doing? Where are we dropping off? And then how do you run a business better? Sure. Right. Like four years ago, you put a patient in front of me and I'm going to get them better. I will figure that out. I can work through that. You put a business in front of me and I will probably run it into the ground. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm four years into this thing. And we're successful, we're thriving, we're making profit and we're doing a great job. And my staff is happy. Like life is good. Patients love coming here. We've got the culture that I set out to have from that I didn't have at the organization that I was with before where they didn't care about culture. It was see patients. We don't care if you do a good job, just see more of them. Right. Cause that's, well, that's, that's, that's the profit margin game. Correct. Which, that's which how you get there. Which leads me to my next question. The last thing I wanted to touch on, which is how do you do that? Is what are some levers that you can pull? What are some things that you can do as a clinician owner that you still keep the quality care high, which is why we started doing this thing. When we went to school, we did all those things, but avoid having to turn into that. And I'm going to use air quotes on a podcast, which is PT mill while accepting insurance. And again, no one's been able to give me a definitive line in the sand of what makes a high volume, great quality clinic. And when they tip over into mill, and we, we can't, I don't know where that line is, but people are like, I know it when I see it. I'm like, okay, well, how do you flirt with that? How can you stay so high in terms of volume and care? Because volume means that your business is running well and you're able to take care of your people financially in other ways. And you're still treating lots of people, but treating them well. What are some things that you can do to set yourself up so you stay on the good side of, the, of that line of crossing over into a PT mill? Right. The, uh, the big thing is uh, like avoid the shiny things, right? Like when you're right. starting out, um, do you need a PT clinic and like a retail shopping center? Probably not. Like how many people got to your PT clinic because they drove by it? Right. Probably zero. Most of them were referred by their physician or they Googled you and right. they found your location and they drove there, right? Or their friends and family told it about it, whatever it is. They didn't drive by this busy intersection that's going to cost you four times what you need in rent. And another hidden cost of that people don't think about, if you go into a retail space, you got to put a sign up. Yeah. Signs are expensive. That's Not cheap. That's five grand right off of your budget from the startup to have a sign. Yeah. I'm in an office building with a ton of parking. People can walk in, find us really fast. It's easy. 
Yeah. My power and water is paid for by my lease. I get janitorial included in this. Like I'm in a sweet spot. So avoid the shiny stuff. Like your patients don't care that in Denver, that if you're on the 13th floor facing West with a great view of the Rocky mountains, right? They're here for 40 minutes, right? They just want to come in and like have good care. I love that. Like our conversation went from one side of the conversation, which it needs to ha- needs to be, which is like, how do we get paid more for the value we're providing, right? Value for value. And then you went to the other side, which is a lot of people will stay on that side of the conversation, which needs to be had. I think there are fewer people having that conversation more and more, but it's still in the minority, which is how do you lower your costs? Because by lowering your costs, you're actually ending with more money, which you're able to then reinvest in people and the business. So I think avoid the shiny things is gold. Yeah. Do you need a tech? Well, probably not. Make your PTs fold towels and pillowcases. Like when you have downtime, go fold some laundry, right? Everybody can answer a phone, right? Like you don't need to have two receptionists. Right. One receptionist, have your PTs answer the phone. Um, the What's, other one stuff more? Like- What's one more that, that someone maybe beginning in, in, in a business or thinking about it might not see? I think avoid the shiny things is already there. They're, they're, they're head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. Um, the other one, and I struggled with this early on, was just watch your hiring efficiency. Okay, right? you so early on, um, and mind you, I opened January of 2020. So like okay. so best not- time ever to open a business, right? You're like what could go wrong? And then 2020 was right. like, I don't know, hold my beer. Yeah, right. Like, hey, do you want to get kicked in the teeth? Like over yeah. and over? Yeah, sure. Let me sign up for that. So um, early on, right? Like I felt like I got busy as the clinician, right? Like I was treating full time. I was doing marketing, all of the stuff. And I felt like I was getting busy. And I had a, a past student of mine that had just graduated. He's awesome. Like I knew from the start when he was a student of mine in my last job that I wanted this guy on my team. And so he had graduated. We delayed it a little bit because we weren't quite there. And then all of a sudden we kind of got there and I was like, all right, I'm going to give you a job. Hired and paid him more money than I was paying me. And we just weren't busy for the two of us. Right. It worked out like a month into it that my front desk left. So I just became the front desk guy again for three right. months and let him treat patients. So you got to be able to sit in times when you feel like you're busy, where it almost feels like you're in a mill. Like, I don't ever want to, I don't want to throw that word out either, just like you, but like your, your schedule should be full, right? Some of our things that I want my therapist to like find value in is that their schedule should be full. They should have patients on their schedule all day. They don't need to be double booked but their schedule should be full because that means that they are doing a really good job. Their patients want to show up to see them. They're referring friends and family to them. And the, our referral sources, our physicians in the community know who they are and they're referring patients to those therapists, not to resolute physical therapy, not to Alex at resolute, but they're referring them to Alyssa and to Kelly. And so that's who they, they should strive to have a busy day. Right. But I think I think what you're really highlighting is, um, and I don't love car analogies all the time, but this feels good. Like if you drive a manual transmission, it's like don't shift too early, don't shift into a higher gear before you actually need it because you might stall out. Yeah, you'll just sort of drag and putter along at that point. So, like, and I think me as the owner and you know de facto clinic director, right? When we start getting to that point where everybody starts to feel busy, sometimes we just sit in that. And I'm very clear about what that means. It's like, guys, 
we're doing really good. I know everybody, it, it feels busy right now. We're going to just sit in this and let's, let's ride it for a minute right. and let's see what this does. I'm not scared to hire someone if the time is right. Right. But just because we get a little pop in business here and a pop in business there, is that sustainable? Can we operate there for a little while? Right. And if, if it makes us really profitable and we start taking home some profit as an owner, I will reinvest that. Like, let's go do something fun. Let's like, let's bonus you guys out. You guys crushed it for like eight weeks and now we hired someone new and now everybody can go back to being just a little bit light yeah. while we get this new one on and we ramp them up. I think this goes back to, you know, what Marcus Limonis and I referenced. You familiar with Marcus Limonis, the prophet from MSNBC? Great show. Yeah. And he's yeah. the number one. He's like, know your numbers. So if you're able to know your numbers, and the, I guess the longer you do stuff, the longer you, more data you have to predict. Like, hey, we've seen this kind of a spike before. Ooh, we've never seen this kind of a spike before. Maybe this does require a shift into a higher gear. So it's paying attention to... Um, the KPIs. And I was having a talk with someone the other day and they were like, I have 27 KPIs. I'm like, you knew, you know, the first word, the first letter in KPI is key, right? You can't have 27 key performance indicators, right? Yeah. So understanding your numbers and what they actually mean uh, sounds right. like that's the best way to know when it's time to shift. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Your key performance indicators should be I don't know, four, maybe five, depending dashboard. on like how deep you want to go with that. Yeah. Think about your car dashboard. I got RPMs, I got speed, I got gas, I got oil, I got temperature. Like beyond that, I've got cognitive overload. And I think cognitive overload can translate to business as well. So ask yourself, what are the actual things that this dashboard or this information can teach me that I can actually use? Uh, Alex, are you ready to uh, play a, a game called Three Questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. On the hot seat with three questions on the PT Pinecast. All right. Three questions brought to you by ATI. Leading the charge in PT clinical research with all 900 clinics achieving top marks in CMS's merit-based incentive program. They have a team to join for career growth. Explore opportunities at ATIPT.com. All right. First question on three questions. Outside of PT, and I mentioned you like craft beer. What's an unexpected hobby or interest that you might have that would surprise someone who didn't know you? What's something weird? Oh, this may not surprise a lot of people. I did homebrew beer for a while. Uh, I got a little burned out on it because I wasn't very good at it. So as much as I like to drink beer, I could not brew beer very well. Yeah. Uh, and for those people who brew beer, you know, you just sort of end up with about 50 beers. And when you brew a batch, and it's just not good. You got 50 not so good beers. Yeah, you got to suffer through them. Yeah, you don't want to share them with people. My wife won't drink them. What's uh, did you have fun and name them? Like, did you play with like funny names? Oh, yeah, yeah. We uh, I had some good names. I'm trying to think. I brewed a uh, like a grapefruit IPA and I just called that the brunch beer. There you go. Yeah, great. Yeah, grapefruit to stuff and it's for brunch, right? Yep. Um, I brewed a basic bro, it was a uh, pumpkin porter, so it was the basic bro. The label, I was like flannel, you know. I like it. That's kind of all right. uh, Let's let's jump in a time machine. If you could have dinner with any three individuals from history, who would they be? Who's who's on your radar? Like, ooh, this person really interests me. Alive or dead? Time machine travel. Who's coming to dinner? Oh, that's great. Uh, Kobe Bryant would be one of them. Got to. Yeah, Mamba mentality. Yeah, yeah. love to have uh, dinner with Kobe Bryant. I think um, I think Teddy Roosevelt. Or no, sorry. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt would be probably um, Rough Rider. Yeah, number two on my list. Um, I'm going to give something out of the music genre here. Um, 
I feel like Mick Jagger would be really fun at a dinner party, but that could go either way. That could yeah, be but, a disaster. But well, be, yeah, but I mean, it's going to be a story with Mick Jagger. Yeah, yeah the stories life. would be great if yeah. he's you know coherent enough to. to or he, honestly, even if he's not. All right, that's that's yeah. the second question. Third question: uh, Desert Island. You're stranded out there. One book for company. What do you choose and why? What are you reading if you're like I got time on my hands? If I got time on my hands, man, I'm probably gonna take a uh, like a John Grisham novel, right? It's, it's gonna take me a year to get through that thing anyway. Yeah, those, those are books. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was Pelican. Pages. He was Pelican Brief, right? Was that Grisham? Yeah, I think so. Pelican oh, Brief, and like some of all fears and Rainbow Six. That's Tom Clancy. Oh, Tom Clancy. Tom. Clancy. Yeah, so maybe he's the tactic. Let me shift that to Tom. Tom Clancy then. And I think Clancy was um, Air Force One. Like he was very, Grisham was more like courtroom, like Pelican Brief, right, uh, right, Time right. to Kill. So yeah, Tom Clancy was great. And he spawned a bunch of really great video games. All right, you're off the hot yeah. seat. That's three questions. Last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. This is the parting shot. Parting shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy with their fifth edition of current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. This thing, the perfect roadmap take you from wherever you are in your orthopedic career to maybe taking that OCS exam, to getting to the starting line of that OCS exam. All right. Always up to date, created by the leaders in PT. Orthopt.org is where you can find that. Um, Alex, parting shot. What do you want to leave with the audience? What's your mic drop moment? Um, insurance is not evil. Um, and your patients deserve quality care. So, um, it's a flawed system that we're in, um, but your patients and every patient, prospective patient out there deserves the best quality of healthcare, whether they can afford you or not. They're already paying their insurance premiums. So let's do a good job for our patients. And, you know, if you do that, then we can push back against insurance companies. There you go. It starts with that. All right. Every, every PT should know those things about thriving with insurance-based practice. Alex, appreciate your insight, man. Thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming to ours.